Welcome to City Hill. <laughs> we exist so that we can light up our world so that people far from God can find life in Christ. We are in week three of our series, um, Law Abiding um, Christian. I nearly went back to the film title, Law Abiding Citizen, that we're kind of basing it around. And the final week is where that will kind of all tie in. So we're going to be looking at pretty much the chapter four in the book of Galatians. The way it starts off is just, is just so, so awesome. If we read from verse one, it says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way also, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of God, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you know a longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, the first thing is here, as it, as it, as it kind of kicks off, he says, I mean, when he says, I mean, he, he, he's differentiating himself from the previous arguments. So he's been throwing out these different arguments, these different points of view. And what he does is actually quite brilliant. And it's amazing when we look at the church fathers, um, the, the, the apostles, who was called for the different roles. So in the previous chapters, he talks about, hey, Peter had this gospel thing for like the Hebrews. I've got this gospel thing for the Gentiles, which is kind of freakish because like out of the two of those people, Peter didn't really know the scriptures that well. He was a fisherman, which meant at some point he failed his exams and got told, go do your dad's trade. He wasn't that great at the law. Paul, on the other hand, within their culture, he was flying past all his contemporaries. He was a hotshot lawyer. Um, the law is God's word in their system and their culture and their way of living. And so Paul was like doing really, really good at those things. So the fact that Paul is the one who goes to the Gentiles and Peter, who wasn't that hot when it came to like the, the things of the Hebrew culture, he wasn't as big a deal. Like he's not, he's not wrong burgundy. He's like brick. If you were like into the anchor man, like he just has no idea about anything. Um, well, Peter is gifted and you read his epistles he's amazing but you compare him to Paul it's, it's just it's different it's levels it's levels it's techers he's just not he's not there um, otherwise he wouldn't have been a fisherman for a start so we see this kind of happen and so Paul in this really kind of crazy twist is going and communicating to the Gentiles but then we actually see this is an absolute masterstroke by God and this is so genius because what happens is as this gospel which comes from a Middle Eastern Hebrew background and their Messiah goes out and is proclaimed among the Gentiles, people who are Jewish believers or Jews who are living in the area start to um, have a sway about this and as they're hearing all of these tangents and the way that the gospel is being proclaimed from its message from what Paul is sharing which is the gospel but without everything added before it they're going well actually you don't get it like there's this there's the law there's all this backstory in history and yes it can add a flavor to it but actually that's not that's not the main thing and so what Paul does in this letter is he does so brilliantly is it's like a tapestry and he goes like, oh, no, it's tapestry. It's like a garment. It's like ripped jeans, but he doesn't. But he doesn't want the rip. It's not fashionable in their time. And <laughs> he's trying to sew it back together. So you have these two different pieces of fabric kind of coming together. This rip, and he's tearing. He's he's sewing them both back together with this beautiful 
means of communication. So he says here, I mean that, but actually the way it kind of translates in the Greek is he says, let me put it this way. That's kind of what he's doing. He's going, we've been here, we've been with this kind of discussion, let's shift the argument, let's look at it in a different way. So the argument that's come beforehand in the preceding chapters was he gave life experience, his own personal story. Um, he talks about Abraham, and the reason he talked about Abraham was Abraham is the father of the Hebrew faith. So when we talk about the Jewish people, it's Father Abraham had many sons, many sons of Father Abraham. Dead joke last week, still a dead joke this week, still using it until he gets there. Um, uh, left leg, nod your head, whatever. So um, he uses that as a strong point and he goes, well, hey, Abraham precedes the law. And the promise was to Abraham in his heir that through, through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That's the promise. The promise then doesn't come with extra catches later with the law. So he points out, actually, way before the law, we hear the gospel became in Abraham, he believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That faith in God is how we're right with God. It's not our actions. Because if it's our actions, he says, by the law, all of us are condemned because no one completes it, no one holds it down, no one is on that level, so all of us are kind of cursed. And so that's the way that he, he looks at it. So he, he does this really strong point for Abraham. Then he goes on, to say the Lord does not annul the promise that was before it. And so he makes this point and he builds this, cements it, holds it down, smashes it. Now, when he starts chapter four, he says, let me put it this way. He wants to shift to a different way. So everything he said up until this point, he's done it in a way that obviously the Gentile listeners can understand. And the Jewish listeners, he's kind of like putting them in their place saying, you don't come along receiving this gospel of grace and then start saying to people, you need to earn it. You didn't receive the gospel of Jesus Christ by your own actions. You received it by the Spirit of God. It's something God did in you. It's not what you did. God did it. It's not what you do, what you don't do. It's what God's done. Jesus has done it on the cross. It's finished. That's how we have a relationship with God. That's our hope for a new heaven and new earth and the reconciliation of all things. It's all found in Jesus. And so Paul fights tooth and nail to protect that. And that's what we looked at the week before. Now he switches up a gear and he says, let me put it this way. And then he starts talking to the Gentiles among the group who don't understand that whole backstory and starts speaking to them in their language and in their context and in imagery that they will understand. So let me put it this way. As long as he is a child, he's no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. So he's the child in the family, you're the owner of everything. Ty, you know, parents snuff it, everything's yours. You are the owner of everything. But right now, it doesn't really feel like you're the owner of everything because they're here, they're calling all the shots. And it's great they're here. You don't want them gone. I don't want my parents gone either. As much as I'd love to be an absolute baller, which I will be when my parents are gone, I don't want my parents gone. I love my parents, it's great that they're here. But he's making the point, ultimately the child's no different from a slave because although you own everything, at the end of the day, you don't have that sway or that authority. He's under the guardians and managers. So when he uses this language, um, he's talking about something quite specific in, in, in the Roman culture and as part of the Roman Empire, um, Galatia would understand how its provinces and how the law is dealt with. So their law, so he's moved from the Hebrew law, now talking in legal terminology that they would understand in their culture, where he's saying, well, basically they knew that their kid, that the kid in the house, if the parents both snuffed it and they were gone, you would have, um, you would have like an intermediary person that would be in charge, like a teacher who would call the shots um, until the age of 14. And that would be a cutter point, unless you legally specified for it to be longer. And then you have a curator that would step in in that way. So when we see these words here used like guardians and managers, 
that's kind of more for us as we read this in English language. But for his target audience, he's speaking to them about their customs and their world where they would know that up until the age of 14, once the parents were gone, um, this person would be in charge of them. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. He's actually not even talking to the Gentile people specifically about their own customs and their own like pagan traditions. He's actually still talking about God's law. Um, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, um, which just that statement on its own like opens up crazy, crazy bars from Job alone. Um, he's like referring, so he's still at the same time as addressing his... Um, his Hebrew audience, his Gentile audience, he's also bringing the Hebrew audience who had this kind of doubt of can any good thing come from like full woman, not because of any sexist viewpoint, but that all of man is fallen and corrupt. And that is the understanding that the law is in and the gospel is set in. Um, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might become receive adoption as sons. And so they'd understand this, this picture quite quite well the, the whole adoption principle because um, the slave could become adopted into the family and be as a son so there were instances where slaves for the legal rights of receiving all the goodness and all the promise that was for the family they would receive it and they would be as sons and then we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God and I find it interesting the two uses of Abba Abba being Aramaic and then Father um, then in, in the Greek he, he's speaking to two audiences even with the cry for Father and he's making the point the two languages but we have one Father together whether you believe you're a son through Abraham and, and but ultimately you can't be you can only be a son through Christ but the two people groups together as one it's just a really clever little play that he does there um, so everyone always goes like about this intimacy thing that's not really what's happening with that word at all in this passage so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God formerly when you did not know God you were enslaved to those that by nature were not God's but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak, worthless, elementary principles of the world? He's still speaking about the law and also their pagan traditions, but really, ultimately, what the, the Jews have been driving to this people. Whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days, months, and seasons, and years. I'm afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you. I this is a beg. Um, become as I am, for I also become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of my bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Jesus Christ himself. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want, you to sh they want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Then he moves back again in the conversation to, to the, a Hebrew illustration. Um, and this, this is just, uh, just an absolute bar. 
Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? This is a great question. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem above is free. New Jerusalem, the promise, the promise that God has of his kingdom. And she is our mother for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labour. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at the time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with her son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Basically, we could summarize that whole idea of the whole situation with Abraham in, in one clear and concise uh, mic drop, which, which Paul is doing here. So the whole story of, with Abraham was like, he couldn't have kids. He had this kind of word that he believed was from God saying, you're going to have a son. He looked at his wife and he was like, dang, she's pretty old. That's not going to happen. Like she was still hot, but it's not going to happen. She physically can't bear children. And there comes this moment where it's like they try and they go at it and whatever, but it doesn't happen. She's not bearing any children. So then what he does is he goes, well, God promised me this. And instead of continuing in the whole faith element of what we're talking about in this book, which is why it's the perfect picture for him to portray. He doesn't keep like trusting God. God told me this, so I'm going to stick at this plan. He goes, well, then I'm going to have to take this into my own actions. So what he looks at is he looks at the law and the custom of the time. Now, the law of the custom of the time is if you couldn't have a child with your wife, there was no problem. And it was even a part of the legal system that you would have a child with your with your servant. And that child would be as if it was yours and, and your wife. And, and that was it. You would carry on your family line that way. And it would be yours, legitimately. It would be nothing, like, she might even get the job of, like, raising or doing all this hard work with it. But it wouldn't be hers. It would be the two of you. And that would be it. And that would be under the law. So then he goes, you guys are so hot on this law thing. But he goes, if we're going to really go on the law thing, under the law, you're not even children of Abraham. Because you're not children of Abraham by the law. Because if we're going to go by the law, we cut your whole ancestry off. Because actually, under the law... Hagar, Hagar's kids are the children of that system. Like Sarah had it. Obviously, Sarah, like Sarah is, Sarah, Sarah is like that. And, and legally, legally, legally speaking though, Sarah's, Sarah's child Isaac would still be like, would still be the one because that's with his wife. But only speaking, it's God's promise. It's, it's God's promise. It's the promise that he made. It's not by Abraham's own actions. Abraham tried to do it in his own actions by his own flesh. So he went that way. The one who couldn't have children, God blessed that. God touched that. God made that possible. It's by faith. It's by faith. That's where it happened. So he goes, if we want to talk about just the legal semantics and we remove the faith element from it of the gospel, then what happens is you have a kid with Hagar and he carries on his life 
and, and, and nothing comes from Sarah, but it's by the promise of God. And so he makes this point, well, actually, what you're saying doesn't make sense. You're killing yourselves because you're children of Abraham by descent. But ultimately, it was by faith that was even made possible. It wasn't made possible under the law. So you're killing yourself. It makes no sense. And, and what he says in um, chapter 4, um, verse 6, And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. Um, but what is interesting here, and I want to highlight this, is he says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So there's like the movie. If it was like a film, it would be like your sons. That would be the movie. But then straight away in that line, he drops the sequel film, which is, but here comes the spirit. So because you're sons, you receive the spirit. You receive the spirit of God. God's spirit upon your lives. So when it comes to this whole discussion, he's like, well, now you're kids. Now you receive God's spirit. Secondly, after that. So like, along with sonship, we get a move of God's spirit that he does the work in us, that he sustains us, that he continues us on in it because they'd had this attitude. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need the lights, bro. Has he just... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. I can lock it up. I'll do the rest. That's all right. It was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> like, whoa, jeez. We're doing church in Metro, that's gone out, man. Poltergeist. Oh, wait, no, 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 it's just... It's just. <laughs> oh, man, that was good, that was good. If only it was the other way around and it was dark, we could have done, let there be light, and then boom. And then like, I'd have been like, preaching, mic drop, I'm going home now, man, I'm done, I'm done. We out of here. Cool, man, blessings. You too, have a good one. So I want to flow through that is that what we're looking at this week, and we're gonna finish right here, we've just done chapter four, chapter five and six are so dope and I can't wait to do them next week, but we're gonna finish on just those three points. Um, Paul does this great thing, let me put it this way, he interweaves between the two groups, sewing them together, bringing unity, Abba, Father, genius. Um, the whole argument he puts through here um, is one that brings out and towards his Gentile audience and weaving them in with his Hebrew audience, getting them on the same side together. Um, and ultimately, he just makes this mic drop of a point that actually under the law, you're not even children of Abraham, or you wouldn't have been if it wasn't for trusting God and believing him. And then Isaac being the son of the promise. Um, so this week, what that challenges us with is this. It challenges us with, firstly, we need to think about how we communicate our faith. So often, I think sometimes when it comes to church, we tend to go out and we, we, we meet with people. We want to share our faith because it's precious to us. But sometimes when we want to share our faith, um, we don't do, let me put it this way, we're not aware of our audience and we come with church. So like I've been in church situations where it's like, man, I've been in, in the charismatic zoo where it's fantastic, it's great, it's exciting. But then I've gone to meet my friends who are pagans or all oh, my friends are heathens, naked slow. Oh. All my friends are heathens. And like you want to go to, to those guys and then you want to be like the charismatic zoo and you want to wear the white suit, like the Benny Hinn thing, and you want to be like, woo! And like that doesn't really work. And then sometimes I want to come to my mates and like say I've, I've been on this whole reformist trip and I've been reading all about John Calvin and all these different guys, and I've got this really good sort of theological argument. And once again, I'm still coming to them how I am in church to them, and it, it doesn't work. What Paul does is here. His, he's talked to his, his, his kind of religious tradition crowd, but at the same time, he's mindful of the other crowd. And so he stitches them both together. And so when we come and we want to share with our friends this week about the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes you just got to look at your surrounding like he did and go, oh, they'll totally get the whole adoption thing. Oh, they'll totally get 
the whole legal sonship thing because that's their system that they live in. They know their law. Let me just relate this to that. And he does it in such a natural kind of way. And so for us this week, let's be mindful of those people that we meet, those occasions that we have, those situations where we meet friends, we meet family members who are going through real life issues. Don't put on some church clothes thing. Just come and be like, oh, let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I was, I was in this situation, totally different to yours. But then I started to trust God. I believed God and oh, it ended up totally righteous. Like he did something with it. It was, it was beautiful. And then if you wanted to tell the Bible story of Abraham, how he trusted God, reckoned him as righteousness, you can. You can work your way in. But it's just in normal language, normal kind of approach. So I want us all to be wary of, let me put it this way. I want us to understand the sequel that, um, that through his son coming of a woman, um, God has come, but he has given us his spirit. So even in our approach in engaging with and chatting to people about God, we need to be connecting with his spirit. It's by his spirit we're going to have those conversations that really bear fruit. It's not forcing a narrative or situation. It's flowing in God's promise. And then the last thing um, I want us to all grab a hold of is that we're sons of, Ab- we're sons of God through Jesus. It's through what Jesus has done for us. And so we can be confident in who we are. We've been adopted into his family. We are sons. We are heirs. We are his kids. It doesn't get better than that. And so we have this, this confidence in our position. And that is what we have to bring to a broken world that needs it. Um, Father God, I thank you for everybody here today, Lord. Um, and Father, I also thank you for those who listen online all the time. We had eight people from Saudi Arabia listening last week alone. And that is just so awesome. And that's just that one country, forgetting the other countries around the world. Um, I pray that all our listeners from all the different nations will be blessed, Lord. But I'm so excited about that particular audience. Um, Father, I just pray that this week we would be mindful of whom we are communicating to, um, that we would think strategically, that we would flow naturally, um, but that we would bear in mind, let me put it this way. Let me paint this picture. May we have confidence in the fact that we are children of God through his son Jesus and the spirit of God has been sent within us and it's by that we cry Abba Father, that we cry in our own different nationalities, cultures, places of origin, identities as wide and as vast as they are. We all have our expression of celebration of who our father is. May we have confidence in that, that we are children by promise, not by our actions. And that may we share that great news with those around us, that there's nothing we are doing to receive your favor. It is freely given through Jesus Christ. Amen.